What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV. The Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with a zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available reclining lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is co-creator of The Daily Show, Liz Winstead. She's one of the hosts of the Feminist Buzzkills Podcast by Abortion Access Front, focusing on reproductive rights across the country. We have so much to talk about. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with Liz Winstead. Welcome back to the show, Liz. I'm so excited to talk to you again. I feel like it's been forever since we've... In fact, I feel like this this happens with all the people that I enjoy so much in the world Aww. that I never get to see. <laughs> yeah. It's just like we have... I'm just... We go on each other's podcasts so that we can catch up. And then the listeners, the listeners are subjected to it. <laughs> totally. And I just... Right? Oh, my God. And I, it's, I'm really excited to talk to you, too. And for many reasons. Just because, first, it's you. And also because you are just a plethora of information about reproductive rights. And it's so important because obviously uh, Roe was struck down and there's so much news because of it. And so, I mean, I just want to kind of jump right into this. I don't know how you deal with our current times, but I, I could just say for me, I try my best to compartmentalize, but it's not always so easy. And overall though, I will say I, I would give my, like how I feel about democracy, how confident am I in, you know, prevailing in American democracy? I'm giving it today about a 7.5. Where, where are you in that one? Um, I might give it a 6.5 only because I don't see the fight I'd like to see Okay. from, from people who, I just don't feel like there's a full comprehension of where how fragile and and mm-hmm. the, and how intense the precipices that we're on mm-hmm. and when i see people acting accordingly i'll feel a little bit better so there's the, i kind of divided it up into two parts like how mm-hmm. do i feel about actually where, where it's heading and how do i feel about people's understanding of it and willingness to literally um 
fight as hard as they can. So then what do, what would you like to see? I think what I'd like to see is instead of having it be like a trickling of states, for example, um, coming up with ballot initiatives to try to codify abortion in their state, mm-hmm. I would like to see ev- everyone doing that. And I would love to see money pouring into making that happen. Hmm. You know, real proactive government. I Because the truth is, when I look at sort of things that give me joy or hope, like these eight states that have, starting with Kansas and, 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 and moving ahead, um, who have said, we are going to put it on our ballot and win, mm-hmm. those same states continually elect mm-hmm. the politicians who have created the scenario with which they had to go to the polls. Right. So I feel like there's this profound disconnect um, uh, it, when we're just talking about abortion anyway, which is what I talk about constantly. <laughs> um, it's it's um, the media has has been derelict in its duty to stay on top of things and mm-hmm. and really talk about what's at stake. Um, oftentimes when we talk about anything to do with reproductive health, especially abortion, we talk about it in horse race political terms. Mm-hmm. Is this good? Is this bad? And for the past nine years, up until a year ago, I was told to shut my pie hole that I was being divisive, that abortion was a wedge issue, that I needed to focus on things that people really care about. And that in and of itself was mind blowing mm-hmm. and a mess. So I think I'd like to see some real fundamental um conversations that are continual consistent um around what abortion means as a community good you know what it means as a human rights issue who's really affected what these things really mean um and the fact that we have the only weekly podcast that talks about the news and we can only do so many stories there's 150 stories that cross my desk every day Mm -hmm. Or every week, not every day, every week. And I can talk about maybe six or seven of them, right? Yeah. So I would like to see that for all things. You know, how is it that we are just not relentlessly outraged about, you know, gun violence yeah. or our planet? And and, yeah. um, and and I say a lot, but like so often I see the smugness of progressives and people on the left and Democrats um, thinking that facts are enough, you know, it's like they'll bring a PowerPoint presentation to a knife fight. It's like, come right, on, exactly. Oh my God, that's true. Well, you know what? It's been a little while since you've been here, so let's refresh and and go back to abortion access front and feminist buzzkills, which is the podcast that you are a co-host of. So talk about and and like I said, refresh um, our memories on what you guys do over there. Yeah. So um, as a whole, uh, as a whole at abortion access front, we have a couple buckets of work that we do. Um, When I realized that there wasn't an organization in the whole reproductive rights movement that was helping grow uh, activist bases in these hard hit states, um, there there's always like some really robust activists working but they are so buried in the work that they don't have time often to cultivate community. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided that at talking with folks that we were going to travel around the country and doing comedy music shows, you know, which is where I come from that space 
um, and then featuring the activists and the clinics in those in those communities within the show. So it's sort of like a variety show, talk show, so that three, four hundred people might come to a show to see me performing with Sarah Silverman or somebody. And then that audience hears from the folks working on the ground mm-hmm. and they sign up right then. And we so we're connectors with community and with the clinics and the um activists and organizers so that's one thing we do that's really cool mm-hmm. um the other uh some other things we do is we have an activist training program specifically tailored to all the ways you can get involved with um fighting this fight legislatively if you want to take direct action you want to help um with funding you want to help with practical support which means uh you know driving people housing people helping people get sitters if they need to go have care outside of their state. Mm-hmm. Um, that's called Operation Save Abortion. You can go to operationsaveabortion.com, sign up, watch the videos, do the workbooks um, with friends. It's really, really great. Yeah. Um, and then we try to expose these fake clinics, which <laughs> are everywhere, outnumbering real clinics, about four to one. Wow. They're religiously funded um, astroturf abortion clinics that provide no health care oftentimes funded by tax dollars and set up solely for the purpose of dissuading somebody from um, accessing abortion or wanting abortion. And then also just making up lies about how abortion can give you breast cancer or mental illness or sterility or uh, just a myriad of ways that are not true. And then we have this podcast called Feminist Buzzkills, which is sort of the weekly roundup of the news that's going on in reproductive health rights and justice. Uh, we feature all of the most prominent um, scholars and legal brains, but then also the providers, uh, people who've had abortions, um, the activists on the ground doing these, doing the work, and bringing a perspective that I think a lot of people don't um, aren't given. Right yeah. um, when we have been on the ground so long, and we are the connectors of of the community and everything, um, we can give a listener much more of a rich and personalized detail with the facts than I think a a pundit can. Mm -hmm. And then the weird thing we have done, which came out of all of this work, is because we've been traveling on the ground so much and meeting all these activists and talking to clinic escorts and clinics, we have started cultivating all of the anti-abortion extremists that are out in front of these clinics, um, these small organizations knew them by name, but nobody had ever started a database. And so because of working with all these folks, we started the largest anti-abortion extremist database in the nation. Hmm. And at January 6th, we busted 30 of them and reported them to the FBI (laughs) because, um, you know, we were following, we joined their churches clandestinely under wow. pseudonyms. Awesome. We were following them around. And so it's been really great. And 11 of them are up on federal charges right now for, um, you know, invading clinics like the Kool-Aid man and chaining themselves to the, you know, the um, waiting rooms and shit. So I feel like um, we're doing a lot. Yeah. We're doing a lot. It's and using humor to expose hypocrisy is always been sort of my stock and trade. And right now there's so much hypocrisy, I can barely breathe. (laughs) And you are (laughs) doing a lot. It's, it's amazing. I want to look up right now. Hold on. Here it is. Brian Karam put up a meme. I know he's a big uh, Beatles fan, but he put up a meme today, a quote from John Lennon. It says, when it gets down to having 
to use violence, then you're playing the systems game. The establishment will irritate you, pull your beard, flick your face to make you fight because they know once they've got you violent, they know how to handle you. They, the only thing they don't know how to handle is nonviolence and humor. So I thought that just go, went along with what you said so very well. It's so true. They are so disarmed. Yes. And especially, um, you know, when we started Abortion Access Front, Front was was started out initially called Lady Parts Justice League. Mm -hmm. We decided to change the name to be more inclusive. So in around 2015, we launched and with along with some other really cool organizations like Shout Your Abortion and um, I Need an A and We Testify, which is a storytelling collective, um, really changing the narrative because mm -hmm. for 40 years, the movement was kind of using anti-abortion language and playbook and, you know, well-meaning progressives and people would say things like, you know, I'm, I'm pro-choice. No one's pro-abortion. Right. And it's like, I am. I am too. Like, yes. <laughs> I am. There's no, what, what is the moral ground with which you feel you need to make that statement? Yeah. Because if you're putting caveats, what, what are you thinking and yeah. who's giving you information? Cause the, and, and since we've started turning that around, the conversation has turned around, around abortion. I think it's being put back into its proper place of a, mm -hmm. a piece of healthcare. Somebody might access in their lifetime. You know, if it doesn't harm you, it doesn't, it doesn't prevent you from having a family. Um, it doesn't cause breast cancer or anything <laughs> else. Why shouldn't somebody have abortions? You yeah. know, and that's the question that everyone's like, oh, what did you just say? And I was like, I said it. Let's talk about it. Well, and I've always said I'm pro-abortion in the same way I'm pro-colonoscopy, you know? I mean, it's yes. like I'm pro the procedure. No, it's not a fun procedure. Nobody wants it's to do fun. it because it's fun, and neither is a colonoscopy, but you're so glad that you can have that colonoscopy just like you're so glad that you can have that abortion. And, yeah, exactly. It's the way that it's painted, and it's the messaging. And, and I've heard it. It makes me so angry when people say, no one is pro-abortion. Yes, I'm absolutely pro-abortion. And <laughs> it, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you think having abortions is fun and it doesn't mean you wish to force abortion on anyone because that no. isn't pro-choice. <laughs> so. We're the opposite of that, you know, because the truth is uh, what we always have to re remember when we examine our society is if we actually fully cared and fully funded all pregnancy outcomes, mm -hmm. we would be a great nation. Yes. You know, if we, if that 16 year old, whose personal moral foundation said, I'm pregnant and I want to have this kid and I'm I and, and there's resources for them to do that. Mm -hmm. We should be celebrating that. Right. Same for the 35 year old who said, I have two kids. I don't have capacity for three. I'm going to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. Right. So like honoring all those things so that we are constantly um, helping people succeed with healthy families and thrive instead of it just all being punishment you know when i hear somebody say well are you still for abortion for people who use it for birth control or, or have had five abortions i'm like well i guess if someone's had five abortions they either don't have access to information about birth control or they simply um are are just maybe doesn't sound like they're right really ready to parent yeah <laughs> so <they're> not, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? it's like so yes doubly with your stupid analogy of whatever you're trying to say I well oh my god oh my god I got into it with this woman uh, 
I used to know her, uh, who talked about women who had abortions as birth control. And I'm like, well, you do realize abortions are birth control. Yes. (laughs) what they are. (laughs) Yeah. And every time they say stuff like, well, you know what, if there's consequences to pregnancy, so you got to deal with that. It's like, yeah, with abortion. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, with abortion. Like that's that's like being responsible. Being like, I'm not ready to be a parent at all or go through that. Um, so I'm gonna stay pregnant and parent is terrible. Also, it it bears pointing out that adoption is not the answer to abortion. No. Adoption is the answer to not parenting. Mm -hmm. And abortion is the uh, you know, option of being pregnant. That's it. Those are the, that's that's how those things work. I don't owe you a baby. I don't owe you a kidney. I don't owe you a leg. I don't owe you shit. <laughs> okay, I kind of want to put that on a shirt. I don't owe you shit. <laughs> yeah, you have to make that a shirt. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what is going on that there is this um, demand and expectation that something in, in our bodies um, could ultimately and should ultimately belong to someone else exactly. because the government deems it so or right. just raging assholes deem it so yeah it's just unbelievable you know i want to go back though and i want to ask you especially these fake clinics i mean i'm familiar with them but if for the listeners who aren't necessarily familiar or have like young kids who live in red states and you know so not young kids but i mean like young adults who may not be up on all of this um what are some of the real telltale signs i mean obviously saying to somebody if you have an abortion you can get cancer there's a red flag there um yeah yeah well and also so um i think a good thing for folks is just google or go to the guttmacher institute first off and Mm -hmm. find out if there's an abortion clinic in your state okay um and and because because they own the seo in google searches Mm -hmm. so when you google where can i get an abortion in and you put the state in Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, you're going to get a fake clinic first, um, and they will have they'll be called something like, you know, reproductive options or a woman's choice, and they'll say in the Google search like abortion counseling, blah blah blah. If you click on the website, any real clinic that provides abortion care on their front page, it will be clear as day to you. They will say, we provide surgical and medication abortion, or we provide abortions up till, and then they'll say how what whatever the legal limit is to provide an abortion. Mm-hmm. If the website's front page does not say we provide abortion, it's a fake clinic, that's full stop. Okay. Um, and they may say things that are enticing, like free ultrasounds, mm-hmm. um, pre-abortion counseling. It's mm-hmm. like, it, and somewhere in the fine print, you'll see that says, we do not promote birth control or anything. Right. But if you do wind up in one of them, um, the ramifications are really grave. There's been stories. A woman is filing a class action lawsuit um, in, I can't remember which state, because she had an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. And they can have anybody in there. They're not run by real medical professionals. They might have like a podiatrist on their board or a nurse practitioner on their board. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people don't understand. They have an ultrasound machine and anybody can run an ultrasound machine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be licensed to run an ultrasound machine. So these people are buying lab coats from Amazon and then you're getting an ultrasound from somebody who's not licensed and they're reading it and they'll either say things to you like, oh, you're pregnant, 
but it looks like you're very early in your pregnancy. So why don't you come back to us in a month and then we'll talk about your options. Well, you're probably 10 weeks along mm -hmm. and in a month you're too far along to have an abortion in that state. So they'll trick you mm -hmm. or they'll just flat wow. out say you're too far along to have an abortion. <laughs> and so, and sometimes they'll like have you undress and put on a hospital gown and then they'll take your clothes and your phone away from you oh so that you don't have any way to communicate and get out. Um, and so it's really manipulative and scary and tax dollars are paying for a lot of these places. So be forewarned. But what's cool is we have a program called exposedfakeclinics.com and we have monthly um, uh, review-a-thons where you can go to all the websites of these fake clinics and you can write a review of them so that if somebody if this comes up in the Google search, the first thing that the reviews say, it's not mean or terrible because those will get taken down. Mm -hmm. It just simply says, this place does not offer abortion care. Right. It says right on their website. And so there's all kinds of ways that you can help expose these clinics. And so if you go to exposedfakeclinics.com, you can sign up for our action happy hours once a week over Zoom. They're really fun. You get to know really cool people and do that. So but yeah, these are really a big ass deal. Yeah. And they're the third rail in the anti-abortion movement because not only um, do they not provide care, um, you're going in there a lot of times if you're fooled and you're giving them your social security wow. number, yeah. medical information, and they're not bound by HIPAA because they don't provide medical care, right? <sighs> giving somebody an ultrasound isn't giving them medical care. Giving somebody a pregnancy test isn't giving them medical care. Mm -hmm. So they look like a doctor's office. So you've just given personal information that they can turn over to um, authorities. Let's say you're wow. in a state where it's like, it has a bounty hunting law. Yeah. And somebody's come in and asked um, about abortion. You can turn that person into the authorities because that person maybe gave them information and they're more than willing to do so. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so good to know, and more people should know this. And I wish they would talk about this on MSNBC. <laughs> you know? Oh my God! Let me tell you what. So we're. Um, when is this airing? Do you today? Um, oh, today, great. So, um, so just yesterday, we had a major ruling come down um, for your listeners, who I'm sure are on top of stuff. Uh, back in May, uh, the Fifth Circuit uh, in Texas heard an abortion pill case as to whether or not medication abortion would remain on the market, would roll back to its 2000 approval, which is a seven weeks, you can take it and you have to get it in clinic, which is terrible, or they would hold up um, all of the advances we've made since 2016, which is um, you can take the pill up to 10 weeks, you can get it via telemedicine, you can get it via the mail. Mm -hmm. um, the Fifth Circuit ruled yesterday that um, it is their recommendation to roll it back to seven weeks and then you have to get it from a doctor Ugh. in uh, in clinic, which is ridiculous and mm -hmm. harms rural people and the people most vulnerable, especially if you live in states that are just like, um, you can't get it through the mail. Mm -hmm. um, and it was inexplicably bizarre and not mentioned anywhere on MSNBC. And it was a three panel um, judges that were absolutely bonkers. Two were Trump appointees, one was a Bush appointee. And it was a two-to-one vote to roll it back to um, 2000. And the person that dissented wasn't dissenting because he thought it was draconian. He was dissenting because he wanted to roll back the abortion bill, period, and take it off the market. Wow. And he literally wrote in this unhinged concurrence 
that the plaintiffs, who were a bunch of anti-abortion doctors who said they would be harmed forever if they ever had to give an abortion pill to anybody, um, said they'd be harmed because they like looking at babies. Oh, my God. And that the FDA's approval of the abortion pill derives these anti-abortion doctors of that right. That's what the judge said. Oh, my God. Oh my and you're God. just like, what the fuck? Then he compared people taking abortion pills to us using pesticides on our on our um, uh, farm stuff. Like, it's all poison. God. I mean, it's a mess. This is where we're at. So yeah. when you ask me, how do I feel about <laughs> you're in a 7.5? I think I just went down to a 5. I think just in our conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're in it every day. So you're unfortunately seeing all the crap. Now, okay, but let me ask you this, and I totally get what you're saying as far as having concern um, about whether it's democracy or abortion or whatever. But yeah. now, do you think that the, the fact that Roe was struck down, do you think this ultimately is going to help um, in the long run? Because obviously people are suffering right now. I'm mm-hmm, not talking mm-hmm. about that, but I'm just saying in the long run, do you think this is going to be uh, beneficial for us, or, or how are you looking at it? So my hope... And what I've seen in the glimmers, which does make me feel like we may have some good success with this, is I think, you know, even myself, for a long time, I was like, abortion is an individual decision, and you should be able to have your abortion, and it's private, and it's between you, and it's not even between you and your doctor and your family. It's between you and yourself. Mm -hmm. That's right, uh, ultimately. And I don't know that that's the right conversation um i don't know that that was the right conversation because truthfully the conversation is you shouldn't have to tell anybody you had an abortion but i think where the conversation is heading is that abortion is a public good mm-hmm. and that is a community good and that um now that people are seeing that uh with these bans in place that there is so much harm that was not thought of and when people think about I live in a state where maybe I miscarried two wanted pregnancies and I needed to have my uterus cleaned out which is an abortion mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't have had that done that scares me mm-hmm. and everyone should be able to have those things yeah. you know and so I think that I didn't even quite frankly Kimberly understand um, like there's kind of two camps in the anti-abortion movement there's the fat cats who want to win elections and kind of want women to look really hot and be part of, you know, be their side pieces and their wife, they go to country clubs and they don't really have a big religious thing. They just want to be in charge and they're Mm -hmm. white and they're part of the patriarchy. Right. Mm -hmm. And those people knew that abortion would, um, they'd raise money off their anti-abortion beliefs that they could say all this shit. I don't think they thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think they were the ones who were caught flat-footed when the dog caught the car, and they <laughs> yeah. were like, oh, my God, uh, people are dying. Did we want this? I feel like we didn't want this. Mm-hmm. But then there's the true believers who are also holding a lot of positions in state courts and and city councils and stuff like that, and these are the people who actually believe that it we, they will not rest until women are literally executed for having abortions, mm-hmm. And, and so there's two camps, right? So they're, and they're both scary in different ways, but I don't think that the fat cat conservative, I'm using abortion to raise money people understood mm-hmm. just what was in those bills. I don't think they read them. 
I don't think any, I don't think they thought Roe would ever be overturned. Mm -hmm. I don't think they understood the profundity of just what we're dealing with. And so, um, and I didn't understand that there would be such cruelty, relentless pushing for cruelty. Yeah. You know, when you heard the stories of those Texas women who brought the lawsuit, who were like, I had to bleed in the parking lot Mm -hmm. of a hospital until my vital signs started dying before they would help me terminate a pregnancy that was that the fetus had no skull right and so when you know people are seeing these things happen they're coming forward they're telling their stories they're turning out in record numbers for these ballot initiatives because they understand that the abortion they had or that their sister had or their mother had um, saved their lives Mm -hmm. and put them on a path of their own self-determination. And I think that people are finally fundamentally understanding that the ball's in our court now. And and we have to keep it there. And our votes need to be, if you are not, not only going to just beat back bad laws, but proactively expand access to abortion, mm-hmm. you're out. You know, we aren't going to tolerate you. And I think that's where we need to be. I think a lot of times people just voted with for the person that had a D next to their name. And sometimes those people with the D next to their name um, are anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, prior to them striking Roe down, we were seeing all kinds of um, efforts to gut abortion, whether it was those stupid trap laws um, which what is tra- what does trap stand for again? It stands for targeted regulations yeah. of abortion, abortion. providers. Right. So those are the laws that you're talking about. Where like you have to have your hallway a certain yes for gurneys. It's like gurney for what? <laughs> There's no cutting an abortion. There's no surgery. No one needs a gurney. Yeah, or if it was like a water fountain was in the way, and yeah, so it was just a bunch of bullshit. Um, ways to make abortion. I mean, and, and we saw it happening because it was happening in Texas and Mississippi where they had all of these abortion clinics. And then I don't know, like, let's just say in Texas, they had 70 and then it went down to one. And I don't know, is it down to zero now? Do they even have an abortion clinic in Mississippi anymore? I don't even know. Oh, I don't oh, know okay. either. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, well, it's kind of like they always find their way around. Um, and, and I, <sighs> I think the thing that's the most disconcerting is um, how we, since Roe v. Wade passed in 1973, they have had a strategy and a mission mm-hmm. to end abortion, right? Mm-hmm. And we just didn't understand it. We didn't see it. We didn't understand uh, local elections. We didn't understand midterm elections. We didn't understand so much. And they plowed through this stuff so profoundly that it feels um it feels it feels like we have a lot of catching up to do yeah it's what it feels like it definitely does but i think though pro- i mean i i can't say that i was happy that they they struck it down i certainly wasn't but i but i did feel like well this is going to i guess sh- put a light a spotlight on what is happening and more people are going to pay attention and show up and i think in 2022 we did see the result the backlash from striking it down and I think the momentum is holding up I I'm with you in that I I wish I'd like to see it grow I'd like to see all the things that you talked about happening 
I would also like to see happening. And I guess I guess we can end this on, you know, here we are. I have a certain listenership and I can only get so far. So everybody who's listening, tell a friend, um, you know, do that telephone thing. But what what can I mean, tell everybody what they can do as far as, you know, you've already listed a bunch of things for um, abortion access front, but still. Even if you have to reiterate, tell people what they can do. And especially like there are certain people who might be a little intimidated to go to a clinic and help someone. So if if they're feeling intimidated or if they're afraid of catching COVID or whatever the reason, something they could do in their own house. Like what are things that the average voter can do to help this along? So what's really cool is two things. Listen to the podcast because we give tips all the time and we want to meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. and so you can learn and educate yourself and then we give you tips i think um the best thing you might want to do is um if you go to operation save abortion we have an activist calendar and on the activist calendar there's all kinds of stuff that you can do and we have all kinds of volunteer tips if you volunteer with us things like sending postcards things like um you know we can get you in touch with local people in your community and and they may need um you know just some emailing or they Mm -hmm. may need any myriad of ways for you to act in person act from your home um do something in the privacy of your home that you you hand off to somebody else there's a bunch of stuff that you can do so um definitely 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 i would say go to operation save abortion.com and look at the activist calendar and peruse it and you can peruse by state or you can peruse on a national level very cool. And I think it's so important that we all, I mean, I think anybody who's listening to this, anybody who follows you understands the risk where we are right now in our democracy. And so it's a little bit more now of over and above, you know, so what you were comfortable with doing in 2012, you, you got to step it up a little bit. And, you know, whether it is, I mean, I had uh, David Pepper on here not too long ago. His new book, Saving Democracy, gave a great example of getting a hold of like city council and asking if you could, if if they could set up voter registration in a library or whatever, you know, stuff like that, where it's not painful for you to do it if you're a shy person or you're afraid of catching the virus or whatever it is. There are so many things that individuals can do, basically from the comfort of their own home. That's really going to be impactful. And I think each one of us, if we just say, okay, I promise to, uh, or I, you know, I pledge to step it up for this election. I think we have a decent shot at winning, but we all have to, you know, as Bob Seska always says, don't get happy. Don't assume that it's all just going right. to work out so you stay home. But, you know, f- keep an optimistic attitude and do what you can and do what makes you feel comfortable. And, you know, I mean, people like you, Abortion Access Front, and, and everybody who's on Feminist Buzzkill's podcast are doing such a service, and everybody should take advantage. So please do that, everybody. And, of course, Liz, before I let you go, give all the links. Where do we find you? Oh, well, links. Well, you can find <laughs> me personally on every piece of social media, Spoutable X, um, uh, What's the one that's not Twitter? Um, <laughs> threads and blue sky? Threads. <laughs> threads. Whatever that is. Instagram. All at Liz Winstead. And then you can follow my organization and the Buzzkill at, at Abortion Front across all those same platforms. 
Awesome. So I highly recommend that you do that. And then, of course, I am author Kimberly on the stupid X thing. And then, you know, I'm, I've, I've got everything listed in my Patreon description, so you can just go there. But, Liz, I just want to say thank you, number one, for coming on the show. And thank you so much and to all your crew for everything you do because it's so important. So great to talk to you always, 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 anytime. Big, big hug, big kiss, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.